the tagline is definitely not, we suck all the time and everything's broken. No, that is not the tagline. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Refactored Podcast, where after a tremendously, horrendously failed false start, I am here to tell you that this is the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck just a little bit less every day from absolutely the the very tippy brink of sanity. My name is Chris Tonkinson. And with a little more sanity and recording live from the basement of the ivory tower, my name is Frank Cole. And this is episode number 109, recorded July 14th, 2023. You didn't have to say anything about the false That's the beauty of, I feel of like, recording. I feel like there's a... You can do a no, take. No, but I, you know? I feel like that was that was so bad that I felt like I had to at least acknowledge... I, like, I got to be honest with the, the people. You understand? I'm a man of the people, I, Frank. I, I guess. I, I couldn't... Mean, I, I got to be... Yeah, and I, what I think is important, though. I think it's important <laughs> not to be afraid of our mistakes, right? I well, just thought sure. that intro... I said like three words and then just died and we had to start over. It was a whole thing. <laughs> and that's okay because you know what? Next week I'll suck just a little bit less. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I, a uh, little bit of uh, news to news to kick us off. I found an interesting Yahoo finance article that talked about return to office debates still mm. uh, going to be uh, one of the leading conversations I think for about, about office structures for the next couple of years. Um, this one had a slightly more nuanced approach, and that's why I I, I brought it to the uh, brought it to the table. Hi, color me highly skeptical, but I'm open minded. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, uh, the title sort of says it returned office debates keep lumping together two very different employee types, and it's time to quote bring the nuance says a recruiting expert and uh, right off the bat. Can I have a hot take just from the, just from the subtitle? No, it's not time for nuance. It's time to decide what kind of organization you want to be. Right. Okay. Elaborate. Like elaborate. There's a, you can go a bunch of different ways with that. What are you, what are you thinking? So I'm thinking, and I'm spicy today. So this, this might just be a long Mm -hmm. string of hot takes, but I'm thinking to myself like, oh, the hybrid thing. And it's too, it's, it is, that is a very, very good point that they make that it is two different types of people because for some people, remote work is a bug, not a feature. Mm -hmm. And for others, it's the opposite, right? And it really does cause struggles when you are when you are remote, either you were or you were now for a few years, and then you decide to come back and tippy toe, like <clears throat> because you have a mix of people, mm-hmm. right? And so the hybrid thing is going to wind up pissing off one hundred percent of the people fifty percent of the time. I feel like, <laughs> and it's just not like, I like that. Like, figure out what you're doing. Like, lean into a strategy. And I think if I'm going to speak, you know, we could we could name a million different little exceptions and nuances and carve outs for, oh, well, but if you're in this space, it's really, or if, but if obviously if you're in manufacturing, let's just talk about technologists, right? We're, we're writing and manipulating code all day. I, I'm sorry, the right choice is remote. It just mm. is. <laughs> the right choice is simply not in the office. Um, not at least in the way that they are usually implemented. I was going to say that's very black and white and, and, I mean, you're you're sounding very frank, as in as in very me. I, I right am now. I am. That's usually yeah. you're quite crisply about this stuff. Where you're, you know, yes. you offer the nuance, and I'm the one that does the hot black white take. So no, I just think you know the the overwhelming majority of developers have actually realized that this is the preferred method of work, which you and I had discovered. A decade and a half ago. Oh, we were doing <laughs> like, this. I'm going to, yeah, let me, no, let me and pull so, out my hipster glasses here. I was doing this way before it was cool. Way before right, it was cool. Right, and it's cool. just, you, you see you see the questions from candidates you interview. You look at job postings. You look at the, the length of job postings, right? If you compare posts that are full remote, and, and we say full remote, there is an asterisk there. Um, I, would, I would submit that anything up to four trips a year is full remote, right? So if I'm a fully distributed company and we have a quarterly team meetup somewhere, whether that's a day or a week, like that to me, I would classify that as fully that's remote. That's full right? remote. So I, think, I think the definition for me, the definition of the remote is the weekly attendance. If I have to be in an office for weekly. X number of days per week, 
some some places will do X number of days per month. That would be as far mm-hmm. as I would go. But okay. if they do that, that to me is is hybrid. If I am mandated okay. to be in the office a certain number of days per week or month, that's that's hybrid. Um, yeah. Okay. okay. So, so we we agree. We largely agree, we agree. there. So yeah, so yeah. my if you look at the job postings, right? You look at the length of job having been posted for fully remote positions versus mm-hmm. the ones that are hybrid or on site. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that tells you all that you need to know. Okay. Frankly. And you know, yeah, you can say, and I can't do this because I don't have all of the data in front of me. You could say that, well, you know, still there are fewer of them that are remote, and so the numbers. And I just experientially, I, I don't get the sense that developers are overwhelmingly excited by the office, and it kind of doesn't matter what part of what kind of organization and what industry you're in. It's just I, th- I think the bell has been rung. I mean, I well, the bell has definitely been rung, the cat's out of the bag, you know, Pandora's box, whatever metaphor you want to use here. We're, we're definitely not going back to the pre-COVID business structure. It, it, whatever, whatever it ends up looking like moving forward, it will be fundamentally different. And the reason that it will be fundamentally different is because of that paradigm shift that we ha- went through during the pandemic mm-hmm. period. Full stop. There's no question about that. When for years, businesses resisted because we can't do business like this. Right. And then we spent tooth and there one to two to three years, depending on the sensitivity of your particular company, proving that we can get business done like this. Yeah. And so that excuse just goes straight out the window. Yeah. It's, it's, it's utter, it's utter nonsense, but this article. Okay. So your hot take, notwithstanding this article doesn't actually, it goes in a slightly different direction. I'll pull out the choice quote here from the beginning. Quote, many bosses feel that their younger employees, in order to grow and absorb company culture, need in-person guidance and a chance to connect with other workers. Meanwhile, many senior employees, especially ones with kids, feel that working from home is actually more effective in their case. One problem with today's returned office debates is that they often lump these two different types of employees together, says this this guy in his, in his newsletter thing. So, um... I never thought about it this way. And that's why I wanted to bring this up. So I agree with you. I mean, of course, we've been doing the remote thing. I've been doing it. I really like it a lot. But is there a point here? Is there actually some value to newbies being in the office, having the proximity to their seniors? And I'm not just saying people learning a skill, becoming a better programmer, for example, but even just people fresh out of college and learning how to operate in the workforce. Because as we, we have discussed in past episodes, that school and business, school in the office, these are two completely different worlds. And honestly, <laughs> school does an atrocious job of preparing you for how those, those relationships Where's, and give me, operations work. Give me where, where school prepping you for real world is concerned. Give me the Peter, you could not be more wrong. <laughs> like, I mean, that's... I think, do I have him here? I don't know if I've got him on the board right now. Uh, Get out. Get out of this house. Oh, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) You you could not be more wrong. There you go. It's very true. Now there, I think there is, that is an interesting point though. Yeah. Um, So, so I, this to me, this one actually made me go, hmm, because if I think about newbies, not just in, not just juniors who are learning a skill, but people who are just new to doing business and learning how to do that are there fundamentally. So the, the, the question I had in my mind, the question I was, I wanted to talk about with you today was, are there things that you cannot learn or learn much slower, much, you know, more poorly if you're in a remote environment that an in-person environment would have a better effect on and it's, it could be it could be technical skills i was also thinking more about just interactions in the in the <clears throat> interpersonals the one thing that i have one and i want your feedback and i'll give you some time to think about i'll give you my example the one that jumped out at me was having the opportunity if i'm a if i'm a new guy or gal in a business space having the opportunity to see a senior someone who's really seasoned Perform an act that, you know, I wouldn't otherwise see. So uh, I'm working on a project. I have my project lead. I'm responsible for this thing. 
we go into a meeting with the boss, the president of the company, so, you know, something like that. And I mean, we, we've, you and I have had this, you know, I've had this situation going into a, going into a meeting, you know, where I've got my boss or my senior or whomever. And he's like, okay, we've talked about this. I'll do the talking. You just shut, shut up and watch, you know, that, that mm-hmm. kind of situation. And then you yeah. go in there and you see how that person handles that scenario, you know, in a remote environment. I mean, yeah, it can certainly, you could certainly replicate. Yes. You could have the zoom meeting. But the opportunity for that changes because of how the opportunity costs work with Zoom meetings. You have to set it all up in advance. You have to have the invite list. You have to. Whereas that kind of thing may not necessarily happen impromptu. Okay, so I, I'm I'm offering maybe a derivative of the of the water cooler counter argument. That's the most common one. You know, all the impromptu conversations that you have and. You know, all those sparks of creativity that happen from being in the office. That's that's the line that I think Elon Musk likes to use. So I'm not sure if that one works or not, but that was like the one thing that I thought, you know, really being able to just as an observer, you know, directly in the room and seeing it play out, even though you're not directly involved, that that to me was possibly worthwhile. But I didn't know, you know, what what do you I I think that one could probably I think you could probably replicate that one. So I went back and forth with myself. I vacillated on it. What do you think? I think there is I think there is a difference, but what you're hinting on there, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a variation of the water cooler thing. Um, more more career growth maturity oriented than purely kind of social feels, but same concept. And I would say that. There probably is, especially again for the for the newbie crowd, there probably is a difference in there's a practical let me let me draw a line there. There's a practical difference in basic kind of socialization. Mm-hmm. So I would say, without other thought or input, yeah, there are probably opportunities missed, and that the the, the the ground is not as fertile for somebody to understand what it means to be a working professional, how to behave in a professional environment, what things you can do and can say and cannot do and cannot say. And, you know, there's all of that sort of like we are just a bunch of tribal lizard monkeys and we learn by example and Mm -hmm. we see somebody else fall out of the tree. And so then we don't climb that one. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's more about being a professional in the environment and less about can you grow technologically? Can you grow in terms of your job function? Um, and I say, I say there's a practical difference, right? Because what I, what I would suspect is it's kind of like how we, <clears throat> hmm, what's a good, I get to think of a good analogy. I'm going to go with nukes. Um, okay. cause I just love <laughs> physics. Okay. Right, like nuclear energy, not to go in a whole soapbox, but I think nuclear energy is the right way to grow into the future for our grid, right? It definitely gets a bad rap, 100%. And, the, 100%. and well, and it, it gets a bad rap because of like 60-year-old reactor designs that are A, not as efficient, B, largely wasteful, and C, not super safe, right? All of those flaws have been worked out by like Gen 3, Gen 4 reactors. Now you've got some of the breeder stuff like if you if if you know nothing about it, go educate yourself because nuclear is way better than all of the other energies combined. Um, but it takes care and it takes responsibility to bring that to fruition. And the analogy is really stretched here. I'm realizing this was not a good analogy in the first place. It's okay. But roll with it. If you have like you have to have a certain amount of infrastructure set up. You have to have a certain amount of maturity, a certain amount of planning, a certain amount of hygiene in order to bring nuclear power to fruition. And in the same way, if you want to bring that high growth, uh, well-socialized sort of employee development, abstract the job function skills, but the soft skill stuff, if you really want that to blossom, I think you can make that blossom in a remote environment, but it requires 
discipline Mm -hmm. and forethought and planning and time and money and attention and hygiene. You have to make space for, I think what we're learning is, oh yeah. So we, we, we discovered that we could split uranium and we started going hog wild before we really realized what it took to do it well. And I think that kind of a thing is starting to happen with the remote shift now that everybody's got a taste of it. Like, yeah, we can do it, but how do we do it well? How do we do it without all these negative externalities? How do we do it without these side effects? What what additional planning time, money, forethought, and so forth is required in order to do this in a way that we don't lose the other stuff? Mm-hmm. And so I've seen a bunch of different variations of this, right? You can have the, you know, the 9 to 9.20 a.m. coffee Zoom where people just pop in and say hi and or you can do there's a whole bunch of different you know sort of permutations of that dynamic that people do um the way that you think about scheduling and structuring and invites to meetings and all of this sort of stuff the mm-hmm. way that you think about on sites right and how you use your time when you're together um all of that i think goes into like yeah you can probably get just like just like being remote isn't the same as being in the office for the day-to-day tactical stuff but like once you introduce a video camera you get back at least 95% of what you've lost, right? And so the benefits far outweigh that marginal cost. I think there are ways to handle this so that you can get back almost all of what you would have lost, still promote employee development like at a personal, human, social, professional level. Mm -hmm. Most of what you would lose with the majority of the benefits being the folks that really don't feel like they need to drive for 45 minutes each way every day, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to throw a wrinkle at you. I, 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 I like where your head's at, but I'm actually going to throw a, a slight curveball at, at what you're saying. Cause, um, there, the, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I'm not sure it, it actually addresses the, the, the challenge that we're facing with the new, newer employees versus younger employees versus older employees it, with a, with a focus, the younger focus on the, on the, newbiness and the, the level of experience. So this isn't an interview. We're allowed to talk about age. Yeah. 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 Without getting sued. No. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> old habits die hard, I guess. The article pulls out a survey from a, uh, it looks like an HR platform company and they do a, they do a survey of up and coming new recruits each year. I, I <laughs> what are you, what are you selling seller? <laughs> I, I Kim's I C I M S. Um, I've, I've never, I've never used it, but it, it looks like a, it looks legit. I don't know. Um, they run a survey and the, the, the article pulls this out. Survey shows that among university seniors, this is the interesting thing among university seniors entering the workforce, fully remote work held little appeal. So these are new up. These are people graduating from college coming into the workforce the first time. This stunned me. This is why I put this article down. This is the part that I went, holy crap, no way. Only 2% of them said they wanted a fully remote work arrangement. Nearly 60% said that they don't have all the equipment they need at home. Okay, sure, you're a broke-ass college kid. And a third said that they lacked the dedicated workspace. Nearly 90% said they wanted to meet frequently in person with coworkers to build relationships and network. So there's a couple pieces in there that really, so first of all, that 2% number just by itself blew my mind because I mean, okay, yeah, you're a college senior. You don't know your you know, proverbial butt from a hole in the ground, but working from home versus commuting and going to some office, like those to me seem like night and day. That, that, that just flabbergasted me. The 60% not having equipment at home. Okay, yeah, you don't have this stuff yet. The company would ostensibly give it to you. And a third yeah, that's lacking a the dedicated workspace. To me. Yeah, the third, but the, so the first two are the ones that that like. Actually, I'm no, sorry. The first, I think the first and the third are the are the meaningful. Yeah, well, ones. and also the the, the one ninety percent said they want to meet. They want to meet frequently in person to build relationships. That's the really powerful one, and I think that's the one that drives the two percent number. They recognize yeah. I need to build relationships. I can't build relationships if I'm just huddled in my house by myself, and so. The self. Well, they're young. They're naive. They're optimistic. They're bright-eyed, <laughs> bushy-tailed. They're just they're dumb. not haggard they just come and, out and jaded. Yet. They're just dumb. They're just stupid. <laughs> they don't realize that people suck and everything sucks, and it's better to just cloister yourself at home. Anyone still alive has let me down. <laughs> they just don't understand. Uh, people are just terrible, and then they'll just disappoint you over and over. The again. worst. <laughs> The worst. 
<laughs> so I think there there are two things there. So first of all, they've just spent a year of kindergarten, 12 grade school years, ostensibly four years of college where they are always in touch with the people that they're around. Mm-hmm. And so now the alternative to that seems weird. It seems unnatural. That's like, I'm okay. not disparaging that. That's a, that's a, that's a thing. No, no, no. I that's think. a good, yeah. The newness of it and the fact that it would be so remote as an like, option why do I, comparatively right, and, to what they've been doing. Yes. It's going to seem yeah, very and, foreign. Okay. That's a good point. And, and why do I care? I don't mind driving, right? They don't have to haul three kids around to sports. Again, they're not jaded. So <laughs> a little bit of a drive is no problem for them. Yeah. It gets them up out of the house. Some of them who would still live at home, probably looking for an excuse to be out of the house during Get the day. Out. Get out of this house. I got to use it. Those that live alone. They're probably alone most of, you know, going out with friends notwithstanding, but their otherwise natural state is going to be alone at home. So this gets them out and gets them in touch with like, this makes perfect sense to me. I'm, I'm not, this is not surprising in the least. Okay, I, I buy this completely. But are they wrong? Do you just, I mean, this is, this, this is a survey of what they so, say they want. So do you think they're wrong then? This is what I'm. Uh, well, it's, I mean, it's an opinion. You can't be wrong. Um, right. But what you don't have misguided? in here, this is not. This is not a software engineering survey, right? This is a whole market survey. No, this survey. is a, yeah, this is a whole market survey. Let me see if I can find anything about- so you're talking about accountants and lawyers and salesmen and all the people that suck, right? So this, we had to throw this data out. It's, it's called the class of 2021 report. So this isn't even super recent, but it's, and, yeah, and it looks enough. at new, it looks at graduates, I think is yeah. what. Oh, wait, the class of 2021 report. So that's interesting because what they had just gone through was an abysmal oh, yeah. seven semesters of Good school from home yeah. that did not go very well. <laughs> that's true. I didn't even think of that. And that's very dumb <laughs> of me to, to not, to not think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So that's, that's, that's going to be I think a huge piece of it. That's what be I would be piece. really curious is to see a breakdown by degree. And then that data over time to see if it's true. And I, yeah, and I, have a I prediction sincerely there, but just to, doubt that. I mean, this this report is very, very pretty and graphical. I'm trying yeah. to see if there. Yeah, what, was do, a, what are you selling, seller? Yeah, I, a point I, I only I, I didn't dig into the to the survey. I just wanted the the stats to to rattle that off for more. Oh, okay. Oh, it has an insights. Let's see. Uh, 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 come on, now it's 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 taking me to a to a advertising marketing CTA. So that's, that's yep. not going to help me. Um, I'll I phrasing. Can, that's a call to action. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, uh, phrasing. Yeah. CTA call to action. If you're building a page to make somebody do something, it better be obvious that it's like a, what it's like a web design and sales type term. Yeah. Yeah. It comes up in, um, uh, two ways. I see that in, jeez, oh, where's my drink? comes up in two very seemingly disparate ways. I see it when I do web application development, like hardcore mm-hmm. web UI UX, building a thing yep. for users to use. I hear, I think in CTA terms on pretty much every page I design, what is the customer, yeah. what is the user doing here? What do I want them to do here? What do I want them to see? And I think in CTAs. And what do the they other, want to be doing? What yeah. do they want to be doing? What are they interested in learning? What do they, you know, what, what do they want? What do they don't want? And you know, you can think about it in the negative. And then the other one is completely disconnected marketing. I build a marketing page and I've presented them with, you know, some call fluff. now, call now, yeah. click here, download our report, you know, schedule a, schedule a demo CTA. You should always have some fun fact. If you, Fun fact, if you listen to the radio, then you'll hear advertisements. Every one of them will have a call to action. Call, click, go, buy, visit, whatever. If you listen to like the truly, not NPR because that's a hybrid monstrosity and a theft of of money. But if you look (laughs) at like a truly nonprofit uh, outlet that has sponsors, they are actually legally not allowed to have a call to action. So they can say nice things about them, but they can't actually have a CTA in in their message. The rules on that, like the broadcasting rules are kind of, Right, but then there are ways that you can suggest things without actually. Yeah, that's not like the rule actually prevents meaningful. Yeah, yeah. There's the letter, and then there's the spirit of things, you know. And there's a right. Yeah, there's there's some nuance to that. So anyway, there's that word again. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) It was in the title of the article. So uh, that part, that line, is what really uh, blew me uh, away. Um, So. And you're right. I think maybe the 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 
COVID experience might actually be dictating uh, a lot of that. Um, the last part of this article that I thought was interesting was uh, they talk about uh, how companies that were already successful, I'm sorry, quote, companies that were already successful remote first before the pandemic, they tended to avoid such employees, the the younger the newbies. Mm. They tended to avoid such employees and instead focused on senior workers with plenty of experience. Today, quote, the people who are most pro-remote, the remote evangelists, so to speak, hello, raise my hand to that one. They are all of that demographic. They are individual contributors who have established a level of expertise. I have a hard time arguing with that too, because most, uh, I'll say all of the remote first companies that I have worked for that has been true. I have not seen a remote first organization with a with any kind of significant junior level program. There's always talk about wanting to do them, but it never seems to to materialize. And I think that this is why I, I, I never really I never really thought about it in these terms. And and this article made me think about it in those terms. And so um, that might actually be why. I mean, if I can hire somebody who's remote and I, I mean, think about what we talk about, you know, in terms of the babysitting, you don't have, you know, like, I don't need mm-hmm. to be in the office because I don't need to be babysat. True. But that fresh college grad kind of does. They need a little bit of babysitting because they don't know their butt from a hole in the ground. Like they need somebody like, what are you doing? Stop doing that. Get over here and do this. You know, that's not bad. It's it's a necessity. It just it just is. It's just a reality, and and, that, and so then I okay. Well, I mean, I want new people to have a you know, you, you got to have a path forward for the up and comers. You know, it's not going to be us forever. There, it's 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 you know, it's a, a revolving door. So you've got to have a, path, a you know an on ramp for for new people to come in. What does the on ramp look like for fresh college grads? What's it going to look like for my kids when they graduate? from college to go out into the workforce. And if, if it is remote first, what is it? What does that actually look like? Do I become, you know, they graduate, they move back home. They're working out of their bedroom upstairs. And then what, when they have a business problem, they come knock on my office door. Cause yeah. I'm still working remote downstairs and asks me all the business. Like it just, yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, you got to, yeah, I mean, at some point you got to cut the cord. If they're 13, 14 years old and they don't have a job living on their own by now, like you failed as a parent. So. (laughs) Man, I am so glad I am not one of your kids. (laughs) That's two now. Get out. Get out of this house. This is literally that, that is that right there. That is all the entirety of Chris's parenting right there. That's it. That's all I need. <laughs> I'm thinking of it's another funny family. You to- I'm, I'm thinking of another Family Guy quote. You doctor yet? No, Dad. I'm 12. Talk to me when you doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Gosh. I don't want to hear it out of your face right now. Uh, you hear uh, people um, that work in like uh, like emergency medicine, like ER nurses, ER doctors, mm-hmm. their whole perspective, like you think, oh, doctors, they care about the whole person and they're very kind, they're patient, they want to see the best in people, they, you know, they, they're concerned with long-term outcomes, all this kind of stuff. I'm not saying none of that's true about these people. I'm, I'm generalizing no, no, no. Uh, to, yeah. to make fun and they would agree with me. So, but you talk to the people that work in the ER, they're like, I don't care. If you're not bleeding out, get out of my ER. Like my goal <laughs> is to get you out of here as fast as possible. Like if you got a sore thumb, I don't care. Deal with it on Monday at your PCP. <laughs> get you out of there as fast as possible, preferably not in a body keep bag. You, but if that's the case too, I want dying. you in the body bag as fast as possible. <laughs> keep you from dying and either way, get you back out of the ED. That's the only <laughs> Literally, they're just like this weird breed of adrenaline junkie. But it is interesting, though, because it's like super, super like task focused that they're like lots of checklists that they do with the protocols and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of fascinating to see. But yeah, it's the same thing. Just get out. <laughs> I don't want to see you anymore. I don't want to see you. Um, so the the whole that that part of it, you know, those are the things that really stuck out at me, you know. If you're a newbie, is you know, is remote actually going to give you 
a, a, a solid leg up. I, I would say I would say today it probably does an okay job, but but probably not as good as being in person. I think that recent grads, notably anybody who had a real crap experience in high school or college from the pandemic, they're going to be naturally inclined away from that because of the ba- of the piss poor experience of doing school remote. And I, I don't, so what I don't, if you like, like as a practical concern, like what would we, what would you recommend then? So if I'm an organization, yeah. I, so I'm running a part of a business. Uh, we have several office locations around everywhere and we're in a hybrid posture. Right. right. And so right. if I have a fresh grad, like 2023 grad coming in the doors and I know I'm hybrid and I'm saying like, okay, everybody's got to come in on Wednesdays. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example. Right. So everybody's coming in on Wednesdays. Uh, do I, do I make different rules for the new grads? Do I mm-hmm. say that, hey, new grads, and if you're a manager and you have a new grad as a direct report, right, that's where it gets sticky because the manager yeah. that's got the direct report is much more likely to be in the full remote camp. Do I say that, look, for the first six months, you're going to be in here every day. And then after that, you know, you can take an additional day off per week every month if you want. Like, like what do you rec- – then how do you yeah. rectify if you're already hybrid? Most places are hybrid. They're not strictly black and white. Right. How do you proceed? Yeah, well, that was one of as, the things as a hiring manager. That's well, right. That's sort of what that was the thought exercise that I thought we might go through with on the on the end of this of this discussion was what, given that you and I are both very re- pro remote friendly, and I would say full remote friendly. I know you're dealing with that hybrid stuff. That's a that's a whole sidebar. I'd love to hear if you think that's been useful or not. Actually, you know, I, I will ask that right now. Has hybrid been useful, or has it just been a royal pain in the ass? Yes. And <laughs> so, I don't mean that as a cop both, out, both. Um, but it really, it really has been a double edged sword. Yeah. So I think it, it is good for the same reason that we would agree an annually or semi annual or quarterly on site times required healthy, in some like, level times required mm-hmm. um, where you draw the line of what is enough and what is too much. I think a day a week is maybe. Yeah, maybe not my preference. Maybe that's a little too disco for me, but okay. For the same reasons that that the on-site, the, the face-to-face stuff is good, this is good. Yeah. Um, where it falls down is you've got a lot, when you have a lot of contributors who are doing a lot of heads-down work, who don't have a lot of meat, right? The point, the purpose of bringing people back in is for culture and collaboration and all the soft stuff. And that's great for management and it's great for the people that cross boundaries and it's great for the leadership team and for the contributors that are doing 90% heads down work and don't have that many meetings in the first place. They're like, why am I here? And so that's tough to respond to um, mm-hmm. because, you know, you're like, well, it's bigger than you, right? It's not just about you, right? It's about the whole team and it's about some other stuff, right? There's your, your, you are under under classified under in, what what's the word I'm looking for? You're uh, you're discounting how many interactions you wouldn't otherwise have, right? Except for that one half an hour stand up per day, right? You're mm-hmm. discounting how many other interactions there are, uh, and you're discounting the effect on the overall group dynamic. Um, but then you're essentially asking a contributing employee uh, to be more selfless, right? Which in 2023 is is not not exactly, you know. Oh, don't don't think of yourself. Think of the organization, right? That's that that reeks of like 1950s factory mentality. Um, well, that's, and so that that's where everybody's head well. goes. But that, I, yeah, that doesn't tend to play well with the with the 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 younger workers, and so um, it's tough. I, there are people that grumble. Nah, they make some excuses sometimes not to come in every week. And, you know, you kind of look the other way because you're like, eh, I don't, you know, whatever. But um, it has been kind of blessing and curse, I would gotcha. say. All right. I want to I want to touch on that. What you just said there, the, you know, think about the company, think about the team and all that kind of stuff. And you're not wrong. The gut reaction of most people is like, screw the company, screw the team. Because what have you done for me? Lately, yeah, what have right? you done yeah. for me? And I'm here. This is a this is a financial transaction. I give you work. You give me money. That's that's full stop. That's what it is. I don't care about your team. I don't care about your camaraderie. I don't want your part of this is I I actually feel, you know, I don't care about your stupid gift box things. I'd rather you just put the money into my account. Like if you wanted to give me something extra, just throw me the bucks. I don't need your T-shirt. I don't need your your summer don't don't your summer bag and your stupid cheap ass inflatable beach ball and all that kind of, and these are actually things that I have gotten. Mm-hmm. So I, I I agree with some of that. 
and companies. That's why it's that's why it's hard to be so black and white because it's like there's points on both sides. But, it's but, not well. Companies have industry has really brought a lot of that cynicism on itself because they they have abused <laughs> right. and historically and yes. historically they have <laughs> and as we have moved into this more of a um, as it has become more of a knowledge workers um, economy you know, what you know and how you like that unique factor has become of greater and greater import in the economy. It has swung the pendulum in favor of, of employees a little bit more. And, you know, no, I'm not sick of this crap. And this is, and and you, you know, you companies have been completely duplicitous in this nonsense. You've tried to give us stuff, but only as much as it to make as necessary to make it look like you care so that then you could, you know, eke even more out of us. You know, there isn't a genuine effort to actually improve things. It's just, okay, what do I have to do to get you, you know, to sit down and shut up and do, do more work for no, no more pay. And then, so, so there's, there's, there's truth to that, but go back to the nuance. There is, there is, you cannot escape the reality that, Having some think about the team, think about the company, think about something above and beyond and other than yourself, that is really essential to being successfully successful long-term. Yeah. Like you cannot care. I have had jobs earlier in my career, more predominantly, I think it's worth noting, but I have had jobs where it's, I give you work, you give me money. I give you hours, you give mm-hmm. me money. And, I, and it's just a transaction. And I really don't give a rip about you beyond that. But to be successful and to really grow, to be promoted, to get to the higher levels, you have to show some of that bigger than yourself thinking in order to Mm -hmm. be successful. And so you can't completely discount that either. Well, but even if you don't, even if you don't actively lean into that, even if you think, oh, that's a line of bull crap by a couple of guys that already have what that, even if you don't, like if you actively avoid that, what you are going to do is wind up pissed off at every job you're in and you're going to wind up job hopping every couple of years because there's no connection to anything that's happening outside of your immediate vicinity. Yeah. And so I think it just leads, forget Forget being successful and doing the ladder climbing thing, right? If you ignore that stuff, you're just going to be miserable, right? You got to be connected yeah. to what the company's trying to do. And that requires acknowledgement that like there's something bigger going on here. Well, and we've previously uh, it's like talked- a, like a 12 like step program for not being a communist, right? <laughs> Acknowledging that there is a bigger power at play. <laughs> and we've talked previously before about how job hopping looks on a resume. If I see that you have gone through yeah. the last- three or four positions and you've been there 12 months or less at each one oh, red flag, like big, big, big red flag. Um, so have you ever, have you ever passed? So let me ask, I don't know, this is maybe an intrusive question. Have you ever passed on a resume because of the hopping? So I yes. don't, I can't think yes. of when I have, what I have done though, is if I get somebody, I'll review the rest of the resume. The first time I talk to you, one of the first questions I'm asking is, Hey, what about that? Because oftentimes what I found is there is legitimate, oh, well, yeah, this company I got laid off and then I did contracting and it's not clear on the resume that there were like contract gigs in there. And then, oh, at this company, but like this thing happened and I couldn't stay. And so that's why I'm looking again. And then that accounts for like four years of five jobs. Um, I don't, I don't know whether I've ever actually like passed on a resume. Okay. So let me, let me clarify. I have not passed on a resume explicitly and solely because of okay, the, yeah, it's an input. It has yeah, been an input into it, but I have also had the situation you're describing where I, I made a note. Hmm, this looks like job hopping. Everything else right. looks good, though. I'll talk to them and I'll ask the question that I've done too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but no, I have. And not, I find candidates are largely like almost they're expecting it. Uh, like they, the smart like ones I haven't are. had anybody smart ones. Yeah, are. I, I, I can't think of anybody that I've had that like couldn't answer the question or say like, ah, that place sucked. And then that boss was a jerk. And then this place, you know, I, that would be suicide on an interview. So maybe I've been <laughs> lied to a bunch. I don't know. Oh, I've, uh, you've, you've never actually had somebody commit uh, the seppuku on you have ne- never done interview seppuku. It's never happened. Not, not on that. Not uh, on that. I, I no. have, I have had people absolutely lambaste previous coworkers, previous oh, managers, yeah. And just I've once or even, twice did yeah. not even realize that they had just gone. I mean, mm-hmm. just 
I mean, so that, back to one of the all-time best written shows in history, Arrested Development, when uh, Tobias goes for the interview for the commercial, and he's like, oh, it's a fire sale. And then he goes through this whole thing, and then the guy's like, um, would you like to try that a little simpler, maybe? No. <laughs> just, oh, that last boss was a jerk and he did this and he did that and it's all his fault you, you want to try that again <laughs> no all right so we've got 15 minutes left let's go back to our thought exercise here what does in a remote first company what does the program or hybrid or hybrid, but I, I want to uh, let's there may think, be two different answers so we yeah, can focus on remote yeah, let's, first. Like, yeah I was just like let's pick one um no. So in a and I wanted to go to the extreme because it'll obviously require us to it's the most demanding of the solution I'd say. Yeah. So in a remote first company, what does the program policies, processes, procedures? That's a lot of P's. What do those look like for a the hiring and and support and nurturing of. Let's even, uh, again, let's take it to the extreme. Fresh college grads. So I have a remote first company and I have fresh, and I am hiring fresh college grads to do things. What does my, what does all my stuff yeah. look like? And you were raising your hand like this is a schoolroom because you're fresh out of college too, you dingus. Stop raising your hand. Have you ever actually had somebody raise their hand in a meeting and you're like, you, you, you don't need to do that here. You know, <laughs> we, I've, we don't do that here. What are you doing? Uh, we... We don't do that here. <laughs> we, do, we don't do that here. Uh, no, I've had people, because I hate my life and use Teams all day, I've had people use the raise hand oh, feature in God, Teams, I which I, I don't mind that specifically. No, um, that's actually... I think Zoom's I got mean, something similar. Yeah, they all um, do. And, that, and that's a good though. actual... I actually like that as a feature, but anyway, that's not what you're saying. Go yeah, ahead. Teams is the Teams sucks. JavaScript stuff sucks. Microsoft sucks. I'll just get it all out of the way. Get suck, Yankee suck, Nick suck. Um... I think I think one part, and it may be, and I know this is super, this is going to cross some kind of way. I think the first part of the, the first item of the program is capital expenditure. I think what you're going to do <clears throat> is you're going to make sure that the individual has what they need at home to feel like they are working. So you can't control as an employer, you can't control dedicated space. Mm -hmm. Right. They may have some nice baller basement office with a psychology chair and a weird lamp, uh, or they may just be in the corner of a, a kitchen. Right. You can't control that. But what you can do is ensure that they've got the ability to get a good chair, to get a good keyboard, to mm -hmm. get a decent monitor, help them understand ergonomics. Right. Hey, can put this monitor on the wall at eye level. Don't look down for eight hours a day, like that sort of stuff. Um, I would do it with receipts rather than just say, hey, here's here's five grand, go outfit your office. Yeah. I would say, hey, here's a specific, no, we've done this before. We know exactly what it takes to feel like a normal working professional. And these are the things, a chair, a keyboard, a mouse, a monitor, a, like make that list and then say, hey, we're going to give you up to X dollars for each. You show your receipt, we'll reimburse this, no problem, mm -hmm. right? Just to give the person, that could be company, you could say, this is leased, this is not yours, the company's loaning it. You could say, we're buying it for you outright, I don't care. The point is to make sure that when they sit down, they feel like they have the technology equipment they need in order to be successful. Yeah. Okay. And honestly, that would be point number one. And okay. because then it's also about mental priming, right? So I, headphones, right? If you're in a noisy environment or you just need to block out the neighbor's dog, uh, headphones, I might add to the list as something. As an um, option a camera, if they want them. Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If they want them. Yeah. Um, and I'm a huge fan of, I mean, everything except the machine itself can be BYOD, but like, we want you to show, we want, I want to see that you have the tools you need to be successful. I want to see that you have, that technology will be an accelerant for you and not a hindrance. And so I know it's super cheap and easy to say, but like, to me, that's item like 1A on the list is just, let's make sure you have a setup where you can actually be productive and not be limited by you know, doing this on a laptop off of your couch <laughs> all day, uh, wind up like a uh, Quasimodo with carpal tunnel. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't sound like you're driving through the ocean when, when you're on a, on a zoom. Right. Okay. So, so gear and making sure that they've got the proper equipment, which I think is true for 
any remote employee. So that's nothing that, I mean, I would make that case no, and that's, for, and for that's anybody. Super easy. Because I know and a lot of companies, you start and they'll ship you a laptop and a monitor, just like that's just part of the new employee, yeah. right? And I, that's and that's right. But I think the list is more. I think it needs to be more totally, thoughtful than that. Totally agree. I think I think most companies, like you know, in, in like a lot of things, they they cut corners on. If you're remote first, you know, you should be outfitting. You should be thinking about outfitting that employee's work space, whether it's part of their bedroom or their dedicated mm-hmm. office or whatever. You should be thinking about outfitting that the same way you would outfit your office space. Your corporate office. If, yeah, if exactly. You're, if you're not thinking about it that way, you'll still end up saving money because you don't have the building. I mean, full stop, you'll save money. I, but hello. you need to be, <laughs> but you need to be thinking about this the same the same things. And I think cheaping out is in that era so, arena. It just it just sucks. It's it's it feels terrible. It sets a bad sets a bad vibe. Anyway, okay. there was a guy. There was a guy who uh, there was like the ex American expert psychologist propagandist back in the early part of the 20th century. This, like this guy, single handedly is the reason why women smoked and bacon as a breakfast food. I forgot his name. Um, really, really influential. Ron character. Swanson. Um, <laughs> Give me all the bacon and eggs you have. He uh, history started on 1776. Everything before that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> but like, so not to go to like, you know, this was the reason I thought of it. It was a little bit of an off color joke, but he was the guy that actually partially inspired Goebbels. Um, but oh. the, the not to not to go that way of it, but be too propagandistic. But also with that, because you don't have a physical office space, I think uh, send some. This is where. The pointless swag nonsense, I think, can be a help, right? So okay. what I would do if, like, given infinite uh, authority and, and budget, right, I'm not just going to send the technical stuff, right? I'm going to send a couple of coffee mugs and a couple of water bottles. I'm going to send some branded items to put in the space. Again, it's part of that mental priming, part of that, like, rah-rah team thing. Mm-hmm. I think that would be you know, a sweatshirt, like those kinds of things. Not a few. I go too far, but things for the office. Yes, a few tasteful, tasteful things, things for the office. Right, practical, useful, tasteful. Yes, not so, super cheap ass garbage. You know, you no. spent a little bit of money on it. You know, you you didn't get you, a hoodie or a, a vest, like a coffee Patagonia mugs, water vest, bottles. You know, like a good yeah, no, vest. exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, coffee or water, like those sorts of things. Pe- things that people are actually going to need in their space can use in their space to help again that sort of branding and sense of belonging and and you know kind of a thing. One of the most memorable things I got when I started with a company, I got this this welcome box. A swift kick in the ass. <laughs> that would be plenty, memorable. I've gotten plenty of those, and they've been plenty memorable. <laughs> kicking the pant, kicking the butt in other places. Um, On the first day, wow, you must have really sucked. <laughs> they sent me, I remember getting a welcome kit, and it had a handwritten, hand-signed note, and it had mm, some of this swag. That's clutch. It was a nice box it was nice things it was met the you know the office team actually put it together themselves it wasn't drop mm-hmm. shipped from some factory or something yeah that it felt really good and and they were good they were nice things and so yes there are i, I was very harsh on this crap earlier but there are good there are ways to do that all right so mm-hmm. so gear sure a little bit of like welcome warmth and some you know some of the camaraderie mm-hmm. stuff sure Still doesn't get at what I'm what I'm really nope. looking for here, which is no, the, it was a total cop out. Yeah, it was a total. <clears throat> but if cop you're talking, out. but you're you're talking about overall program and to give ourselves time to think. I I do think this is I like item one A because yeah. it's the easiest thing, it's the cheapest thing, it's the simplest thing you can do, um, and it does have meaningful impact in, okay. in my mind. So so things that I would do specifically for new grads in a remote first environment, I would. Uh, I'm a huge believer. I think we both are in the power of the one-on-one, the routine one-on-one oh, yeah. meetings, super yeah. valuable, works no great. Does not, you don't need an agenda. In fact, not having a, an agenda usually makes them more valuable. So I think that the, I think for new grads, I think you put the one-on-one formula on steroids. You probably do it a couple times a week, yeah. maybe smaller, maybe 15 minute increments rather than 30 or an hour. But you like would treat do like a stand-up. You could do it like a daily stand up, 15 minute, 10 minute check in, and then yep. an hour long 
either recap on Friday or a kickoff on Monday, something like that. You're in with that person all the time. That's the first thing I would do. The other thing I would do is assuming that this is a program where I've got college grads, I probably take that idea and I apply it to the entire college grad group. And so on a weekly yeah, or this, bi-weekly- this is a, a scale question. So on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, well, no, no, no. I don't think I'm going where you think I'm going. Oh, okay. I'm saying on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, I get all the new grads or that class across different departments, different teams, mm-hmm. they all get together. And there is a meeting for them that is one of two things or a mix of both. One is just time talking and getting to know one another and and having you know the shared experience of being new in the environment, new mm-hmm. to business, and mm-hmm. being able to build the relationships. In addition to that, I also have some kind of training, presentations, lightweight, but no less useful, given by different people in the organization oriented to those new people. And so it could be things that are specific to that industry or that uh, that particular business, or it could just be, hey, here's some crap that I wish I knew when I started my career. And I would make that an open field for pretty much anyone in the company to do. I would certainly do a carve out for certain, like HR should absolutely have a slot in there. Uh, finance should absolutely have a slot in there. The, the president or some top level exec should definitely come in and do a spiel every time you have a new class um, mm-hmm. and and just continually give them hand, you know, you know, real from the trenches war torn experience so that, you know, they, they gain some of those, some of those skills. And then the last thing that I uh, thought of off the top of my head with this was to, if you're, if I'm hiring new grads, there's an assumption that I'm hiring them on the regular. And so I probably do a buddy system where I pair a new, a total newbie, fresh, fresh college grad, fresh hire with a slightly less fresh college grad and not so recent hire. So somebody who has a year in or two years in, and they're not their mm-hmm. boss. They don't even have to be on the same team. It's just that they've gone through it. And it's like, okay, this person, this is your buddy. If you have problems, questions, concerns, you're afraid, you don't want to necessarily talk to your boss about a thing or something like that, go talk to that person first and, and see what they have to tell you. That's a relationship that you can build and, and it's, a, it's a place that you can go that's not, it's not, the, it's not the, the hierarchy. It's not the org chart. It's more of that dotted line relationship. I think those three things would go a long way. And those aren't necessarily easy either. You know, like the, each one of those systems requires work and planning and structure and somebody's got to run yeah. it. So it's not easy, but it is simple. What I've seen, and I've heard, I've, 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 uh, I've known people that have gone to companies that do exactly this. That's why I said it's a question of scale, right? Because if you're a 125 person company, you don't have enough people coming in. I mean, unless your churn rate is abysmal, you don't have enough people coming in to really pull off a program like that. Mm-hmm. Um, at a larger company, I've I've heard like I've seen larger companies where they do exactly this. You yeah. come in, you start, you go on site, you take your courses or your trainings or whatever. Uh, you go on site for a week, and they put you in a class. And I think they hire like there's a start date like every month. And everybody right. that started, whether yep. you're the director of accounting or you're a low-level software developer, you're all in this class, the intro class. And then you get a like a Slack group that's just those people throughout your tenure. You're always sticking, like there's all that kind of stuff. And I think that I've, I've heard that that is actually really, really nice when it's, um, yeah. when it's well-managed. Yeah. Um, I deliberately avoided saying training. Business. I deliberately avoided saying training because it is exactly what you described. You, you've got these, you know, these classes and the, it, it, that, that implies. No, no, uh-huh. not the training, training aside. Right. So I'm talking oh. like, I, like I'm in healthcare, right? So everybody's got to take those regulatory requirements and security training and stuff that they just have to do. And we have to do annually. That's not what I mean. Mm-hmm. It, like, aside from that, this is like new hire orientation and forming a, like a cohort of people that started at the same time. Like you said, across levels, across, you know, uh, departments, yep. um, can really be, I've heard from people that say really nice experience, but again, 
you need a certain scale in order to yeah. pull that off. Yeah. But you can so that's do, inaccessible to the large majority of companies. Well, kind of. I think you can pull off the high notes of those kinds of systems on a smaller scale. Like you can do, you know, I had a system that I set up that every new hire went through. It was a system that I built, but it was a bit of an orientation. And they did, you know, I, I paired them with their manager. I had a program for the manager. I had a program for the employee and they worked together. I had them connect with the different teams. Like they're, they're, you can do those things on a small scale. It lacks the formality and say the polish and some of that panache that you get with those really big programs mm-hmm. that have entire, literally entire departments dedicated to doing those yeah. things. But you can, you can achieve very, very, you can 80, 20 split. You can get to the 80%, I yeah. think in, in, in any size company if you if you have the the wherewithal and the uh, you know the the gumption to do it you can you can get there um all right what else those are the bi- those are the things that really jumped out at me and i was trying to address the things that were raised in the article anything else jump out at you anything else that you would do specifically remote first for new grads i can't think of anything I thought of one thing. It was kind of a sidebar. I, I didn't want to monopolize all the time, so I wanted to give mm-hmm. it to you. I thought about a um, work uh, getting that. Uh, ideally, if you're making an assumption that you are that the college grads are geographically located, so th- this one may not work everywhere. But say say you recruit like a whole you know slew of these these new grads from a single university or a handful of geographically located universities, Mm -hmm. which is not uncommon even for smaller companies because they build the relationships with the universities in their areas. So, Mm -hmm. so let's say you do that. Even if you don't have a workspace for them, maybe you, you uh, rent the uh, co-working spaces or you you get a subscription to the co-working spaces and so they have a place they can go where other is that people a, do exist. Is that a new hire, fresh grad orientation thing? Or is that just a remote work benefit that some folks may choose to tell? Like when do you turn that off then? Yeah, I, I don't know if it necessarily is a new grad hire thing, but I, I, I thought about it being new grad-ish. If I have mm-hmm. all of my grads in an area, then I can say to them, on some regular basis, then I could sort of. This is where we have the space again, but that's that's inaccessible to the large number of organizations that don't have enough people starting at the same time. True. Yeah. I, I, right. I mean, not all of this is going to apply the same way based on the size of the organization, the number of hires, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of like foundational things that even your you know company of sixty can do when your okay. when your well, rate think, of hire is not that high. All right, so outside of the co uh, outside of the co-working space, I'd say everything we've talked about absolutely does apply. Um mm-hmm. well, uh, even the co-working space, like hey, it, if you I mean, want yeah, if you yeah. just you could uh, also it doesn't really help with your company, your culture, your things, um but it gets that person just, interpersonal exposure more yeah. generally. It gets them out of their yeah. house. If that's a problem for them, see, for some people, yeah. that's not a problem. For me, it's not a problem. I'm actually very, very comfortable in my office at home. I like well, you but could, to the point of the article. To the point of the article, new grad doesn't have like dedicated space. Like exactly, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's exactly. So right. maybe, maybe the co-working thing, like to get you some benefit. of that at first, yeah, yeah. to benefit, yeah, and, and, and that yet, you could put that you could put into the overall program. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. So. That and yes, you're not wrong. It could absolutely apply to all remote employees, and I, I've seen that too, where that's actually a benefit. Hey, if there's a co-working space in your area that you want we'll to you use, yeah. we'll give you a stipend. Maybe that cuts into what they would pay you to furnish your office. I've seen that where it's sort of like a shared yeah. thing. Right. So there, uh, there are a lot of different ways you could you can play that. Um, but I, I think that the it's the it's the undergirding support. It's like letting letting these college grads know they're not just dangling out there on a rope. There's a net. There is a support structure. You know, we're here to help. We want you to succeed. You know, don't be nervous. It, it's I fostering think, think you, that. That's the key. Anything you can do in that I, regard. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think you're gonna you're gonna keep going back to those daily check ins, the one on ones with the manager. Uh, the I would even points. say if you can get if you can get uh, support from skips to come, you know, so, so the the director or VP can have time with them weekly or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, you know, just staying on top of those issues that they come up. And then even, um, I know, I know some companies that have done sort of something similar to this, where they just pick a random employee that volunteers to do it as like your buddy. And you just get paired with a buddy as long as you're both there and they're there to answer questions, show you the ropes, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be from your same team. Yeah. I think that's going to be, that's going to be the most important thing is is giving them those those touch points. Yeah. I, and I think that yeah. covers I think the bulk of what the um, the feedback from these fresh college grads is is saying. Like, yeah. Uh, and 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 get them a good keyboard and mouse for God's sake. <laughs> it's amazing how many places cut out cut corners on the on the gear. Like, and you're just like yeah, uh, I can't stand it. Just, it it's. It, yeah. To your detriment, always to your detriment, get good gear. Doesn't matter. You don't have to be an engineer either. Everybody likes good gear. So what about you? What do you think? Do you like good gear? I know I do. We'd love to hear what you think about anything we've talked about today. Feedback at refactor.work is where you can let us know what you're thinking. If you want to hear more of my musings, you can check me out at hotcoles, K-O-E-H-L-S dot com. If you want to check out Chris, he's over at tonkinson.com. I forgot the archive, so refactor.work. That's where our show notes are. You can actually play episodes directly from there. You'll find links, including the article we talked about today, uh, as well as our our ever-growing back catalog of episodes. And this has been episode 109. I had to check of the Refactor podcast recorded on July 14th, 2023. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Frank.